Welcome to a football show here live from the pharmacy in East Nashville on McFerrin Avenue with some delicious Black Abbey Schwartz beer. Schwartz beer. Schwartz beer. No, that's an offensive lineman from Oregon, not the future head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. We have much to discuss today on the show. That is Zach. I am Braden. Welcome to the program. It is a moral victory Monday. No, there are no moral no victories. moral victories. Mike Vrabel said in. that said Here's that last food. night. Look oh, at this, man. Look at this. We got some bratwurst. We got looks like fried onion rings on top of the uh, the burger. There, yes. we got the tots and the sweet potato fries. The greatest mustard ever made in the history of the city of Nashville. That's horseradish oh, Dijon that right there. Delicious. Yeah, beer is excellent. This is why you come out when it's eighty five degrees in November because you come to this beautiful back patio right here when the weather is good and you come hang out at the pharmacy. No moral victories here at the pharmacy either. Just always a good time. So make sure you support local business. Founded in 2011, of course, right here, locally owned and operated over here in East Nashville. They got a location downtown as well, so check them out. No matter where you are, the pharmacy, always a great place to take the family, the friends. You want brats, you want beer, you want burgers, you want to talk about the Titans losing in overtime to the Kansas City Chiefs. We're going to do that. We're going to talk about Malik Willis. We're going to talk about the defensive line. We're going to talk about everything that has to do with that game. We also have lots to discuss in the SEC as it comes down. Tennessee losing at Georgia, Bama losing at And it LSU. really doesn't matter, except for Alabama. No, Bama, Bama, we'll get to that. So a lot of implications over the weekend, but but you're right, it may not matter. In, in the East, we'll see what happens. Uh, make sure you turn on all the notifications. Zach, what do the people need to do to get involved? They need to go to YouTube channel, 440 Sports, click on the notifications, make sure that you're commenting. You can also get on Facebook at Broadway Sports Media's Facebook page and 440 Sports Facebook page and turn on notifications there and join in the discussion. Of course, Twitter, 440 Sports. Join there. Turn on notifications. Join in on the discussion because there's going to be a lot to be said today. Lots of words, but my God, look at the crowd on that bad boy. <laughs> and it's and I'm, That's homemade right there. That dog. is homemade sauerkraut. <laughs> That is the best worst you'll ever get in the city right there. And yes, I am a dad and I'm in my 40s. I'm totally fine with that. So we'll get to all things SEC, Tennessee, Georgia, Alabama, LSU. But we got to talk Titans for the vast majority of the show today. Of course, support all of our other great sponsors as well. If you're not out here out here on a Moral Victory Monday, which is for me a Moral Victory Monday, not for Vrabel and the Titans or for you or for nope. Titans fans. Uh, but for me, it is because I'm going to I see positivity. I see positivity coming out of this game. Uh, and I'm going to try to sell it to you <laughs> as best I can. Uh, but also support our other great local sponsors, of course, Weiss Liquors and Kingston Group. BuildKG.com is the website for the Kingston Group. Make sure you, before you make any big decisions about your house, check out the Kingston Group housing, construction, major complicated big financial decisions. So make sure you talk to them. Just have a conversation. BuildKG.com is the website. They will talk you through all the big issues you got. And they may be the people to go to go with. They may be the people to help you. It, they may not be. But they'll help you out some way or another. You'll figure it out. I'm, I'm trying to make a Titans offensive coordinator joke in my head, and it's just not its not landing. They much. do not have Todd Downing employed, so you can trust them. <laughs> I, I knew I could count on you. <laughs> it's right there. I, mean, it was, just I know. Up. I know. I, I'm, I'm not the clever one. You are. Uh, let, let's go. Obviously, of course, Weiss Liquors as well. Uber Eats. Search Weiss Liquors. Have the booze delivered right to your house in as quickly as 20 minutes, Zach. Because they drive, so you can drink. There you have it. Again, family-owned and operated for almost 100 years. If you have questions and comments, Landon says hello from my couch. Couch is a good place to be on a Monday afternoon, especially on a moral victory Monday afternoon. So can we start with, with the Titans losing in overtime to the Kansas City Chiefs? I, I want to. So you don't want to go in the Colts? Oh, that's right. I forgot all about that. That's how crazy... The game was for me last yeah. night with the Titans and the Chiefs. So let's get out of the way some bizarro Colts information. Of course, Frank Wright 
uh, fired today. And you say bizarro, but bizarro means it's out of the norm. That's true. This is not out of the norm for Jim Irsay. That's fair. But even still, I think the, the last piece of information we're going to get to here, which everyone knows, of course, <clears throat> is the interim coach, is the most bizarre thing I yeah. think I've ever seen, even for Jim Irsay. So Frank Reich out 40-33-1 as the coach. Uh, I spent five minutes doing this for no reason at all. Carson went 17 games started. Andrew Luck, 16 games started. Phillip Rivers, 16 games started. Jacoby Brissett, 15 games started. Ryan, Matt Ryan, seven games started. Sam Ellinger, two games started. Brian Hoyer, forgot about that one Brian Hoyer start yeah. that Frank Reich had. The last time the Colts started the same quarterback in back-to-back -back season openers was 2016. That is sure to happen again next year. I, I'm not making excuses for Frank Reich here. I just think that is just extraordinary from the GM, the owner, down to the head coach. They're a dumpster fire, and I assume Titans fans are very disappointed by all of this. Yeah, well, I mean, we're totally disappointed. Well, what's funny and is that the first reaction to Frank Reich's firing was to applaud Jim Ursay for not being an owner that stands pat and settles for mediocrity. The same guy who allowed them to trade for Carson Wentz. The same guy who allowed them to stay with Jacoby Brissett. The same guy. Who traded for Matt Ryan? The same guy who allowed Sam Erlinger or Erlicker or whatever you pronounce his name. He got to play. The same guy who decided that, hey, it's okay my GM does not draft quarterbacks or plan for the future. But that guy settles for no nonsense. And then what happens not an hour later from all these tweets popping up that says that Jim Mercer, oh, got to applaud an owner that they ain't going to stand pat because obviously everybody's alluding to the fact that Todd Downey still has a job. Do you, we'll do, you think, do you think that that is a vast majority of Titans fans or just the vocal minority on Twitter? I'm sure it's just Twitter. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I don't know. I it's didn't redundant. hear any, nobody, nobody really called in during the time of the radio that I was listening to that all this went down. So who knows what the, yeah. common, the common fan thinks. But applauding him and then he turns around and hires jeff fucking saturday who coaches high school no, so so the highest level of coaching so jeff saturday a prominent espn commentator yeah <laughs> did play did play in the nfl for a very long time so he does know football but his highest level of coaching experience in an era and a time where we do not have enough minority candidates in an era of time, like Cadillac Williams. Did you see Cadillac Williams over the weekend? For yeah, Auburn? yeah, he looks, he looks like not, he was having a blast. Not qualified, but you can see the emotion and the connection with the players just having the opportunity to represent his university. And like, I know college is different, but this is a chance to just do something for for a team that's already, I mean, I guess in the NFL, maybe anything is possible. You can come back and win games, but not with a media member. This is the last time he has coached was Hebron Academy High School in Georgia. That was the only coaching experience he's ever had. Well, Georgia uh, is, does beat Tennessee a lot, so maybe true. that's what they're thinking. This is basically what you need to know is this is unprecedented. This yeah, is an the, unprecedented The move last in the time was like in the 60s, and it was some guy named like Nicky Bromine totally Bergheimer or something is what uh, Bill Barnwell said on Twitter. Like he literally found it. It was like some weird name. Someone you've never heard of. So back, back when they all – so this is an era when they all had other jobs. Yeah. <laughs> the this whole thing is is utterly ridiculous because not only did they let a, a qualified head coach go instead of just waiting, they got this guy from outside the organization while they have Gus Bradley on staff, John Fox on staff, and this guy named Bubba, who's apparently an up and coming head coaching candidate. I don't know. I can't pronounce his last name. So it's like that's two former NFL head coaches on staff. On staff. But listen. They hired Jeff Saturday, and guess what? 
They still don't have anybody to call plays because Frank Reich is gone. He was the guy that called plays, and they fired the offensive coordinator a week earlier because he was a scapegoat. Yeah, uh, Marcus Bradley fired. Their, their last two weeks, dude, <laughs> Titans fans should enjoy this. Their last two weeks, five straight losses to the Titans, of course. Matt Ryan is benched. They blow a nine-point lead to Washington. They fire their offensive coordinator. They lose 26-3 to to the Colts, and now they fire their head coach. I do like that you say that Frank Reich is qualified because I actually think of the three – if you're going to place blame, because I find it interesting Titans fans were maybe responding to, oh, it's great to have an owner. Like, the owner is not going to fire Todd Downing. Mike Vrabel is going to, yeah. right? Like, right. Mike Vrabel is going to fire Todd Downing. with. Well, Jim Mersey may be a little bit different. True, you know true. But even then, like, it's a it's a head coach GM decision normally. Normally. To decide on a coaching staff role. Ownership doesn't normally get that far down into the weeds. Because I do think Frank Reich was the least of their problems. Well, Jim Mersey is the problem. And, well, Ballard is and, not... and Ballard's number two, in my opinion. I mean, Jim Mercer is the guy who gives these guys free reign and who lets them go in and just do whatever they want. I mean, that's what they've done. You know what's funny to me? It didn't take long for the Colts media to, of course, you know, apl- start applauding and patting themselves on the back for whatever this Jeff Saturday hire is going to be. They're already saying this is a legitimate interview. For head coach, like this isn't like, okay, he's just coming in and then he'll be gone. This is a legitimate interview to see what he can do to see if Jeff Saturday is the future head coach for this team. Has he interviewed for head coaching job? No, <laughs> no, That's what I thought. he didn't I even just... be interviewed for this one. <laughs> it's just I, ridiculous. I just, to me, it is the perfect ending. To the to this whole thing that's been going on the last four or five years with like it started with Andrew Luck retiring in a preseason game and everyone being like, what? And it ended with Jeff Saturday as the interim head coach. I mean, really, you never... I mean, I don't ever remember even knowing who the Colts' owner was for the longest time during the years they were dominating the Titans under Peyton Manning and sometimes under Andrew Luck. Like, he was not a guy that was at the forefront. He's not. He's kind of like a, almost a more deranged Jerry Jones at this point. But he was involved. The more that he gets involved, the more he's in front of the cameras, the more he looks like a fool saying stuff on Twitter and and saying stuff in these videos. That is your issue. These issues all stem from him becoming more involved, more public, more on the forefront, making it a spectacle about himself and not about letting people that you hire do the job. Now, listen, people they hired suck. I don't think Chris Ballard's a very good GM, and I think Frank – I think they're both – supremely, supremely mediocre. I, I was, and I'll be accounted here. I'll put my hand up and say, look, I thought Chris Ballard, the first couple of years he was there, did a pretty good job overhauling the roster. He drafts Quentin Nelson. He brings in a bunch of guys in the second and third round that were talented pieces. He finds Darius now, Shaquille Leonard. Like, I, I thought, like, no quarterback. Okay, I'm going to give you benefit of the doubt. Still winning games. I have now obviously changed my opinion on Chris Ballard. I think he has dropped to the bottom of the GM list in the NFL. I obviously have very high standards for, for John Robinson. Trey, Trey, Trey asked, would you rather have Jim Irsay or Jimmy Haslam? And I I would just not rather be a football fan at that point. Yeah. Like, just no. I'll, I'll, I'll I would rather be a baseball fan. I'll watch the Predators, and they're not even good. So, yeah. Although they did win over the weekend. That's their victory Monday. Yeah, the there Pred. you go. The Preds got a couple of wins. Um, all right. So I just, I think it's a, honestly, I just think it's a perfect ending for this entire saga that I believe, like, if you're writing the book, you're going to start with the day Andrew Luck jogs off the field, retiring in a preseason game. And it ends with the day that Jeff Saturday is named interim head coach. Like that is the interesting soap opera that I find to be well. It's it's comical and entertaining. Almost two or three decades worth of supreme quarterback play from Peyton Manning to Andrew Luck, and consistently. And basically, now you're you're figuring out what everybody else in the NFL goes through, and they don't know how to handle themselves. And and they still made the playoffs a couple times. Yeah, (laughs) with Frank Wright. So. 
Uh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. All right, let's talk Titans here. We got lots to discuss with the defense, the defensive line, Malik Willis, the receiving core, the offense, the play calling, which I'm sure you'll have nothing to say about. Yeah, uh, we'll get to all of that, of course. Remember our great and wonderful and amazing local sponsor. So while you're hearing us say some negative things today, just remember, support local business. We're here at the pharmacy. It's a gorgeous day. Come out and get some brats and some tots and some worse and some burgers and the Black Abbey Schwartz beer right here, the Black Abbey Schwartz beer. And uh, make sure you support Weiss Liquors and Kingston Group as well. All of our great and amazing sponsors here on a football show. All right. So it's a slugfest. It's ugly. My first thought, like the thing that kept coming up throughout the course of the game, and we'll break down a lot of the little tiny details, is just how lucky I think Titans fans should be to have Mike Vrabel as their head coach and that he largely owns Andy Reid to some extent. Well, now they're what three and nine. Well, that I know that they're they've the Chiefs have only beat, beaten Mike Vrabel twice now, but I know they're three and nine for their last like twelve or eleven right. games all, before Vrabel. All I know is he's splitting the playoffs with them. Yeah, beat that ass last year, and all and should have won a game they had no business winning. Yeah, on on Sunday night against the Chiefs. So to me, what it says is that style of football is still capable of winning in big moments against high level competition. And I, my, my first overarching thought from the game was, you want to get in the mud with this team coached by this guy, Titans have a chance to win the game. Every well, time well, they That's play. what me and Mike talked about all, all week, and we, we put out the clips about it and everything, was that this team wants to take you out into an alley and wants to fight you. They are the punisher of the, Mar of the um, basically the Marvel superhero who has no superpowers. But he doesn't care. He's going to get in there. He's going to fight you. He's going to take his knife wounds, bullet holes, all this stuff, and still be, try to beat the shit can, out of him. How you. can you not have superpowers, though, and get knife wounds and bullet holes? Uh, he's, a, he's a veteran. So he's like, he's like Batman? He's like Batman, okay. except for he's like he's psychotic. He's a sociopath. <laughs> like, he, he, like, you know how Batman doesn't kill and has a moral code? Oh, okay. he, Punisher does not. Okay, all right. All right. So, Mike I mean, Frable has no moral code on a football field. Yes, that is correct. Yeah. And, and listen, you know... Before we get into the offense and defense, and, and you're totally correct because this that all falls into the defense, in my opinion, I want to talk about two comments that came out of this game, one before the game started and one after the game started. And this will lead us into our offensive talk, if you don't mind. Sure. Is that the first one is Vrabel's talking to Ed Warder. He's talking about is it sustainable to give, you know, 50 carry or uh, 26, numerous carries, like yeah. numerous carries to Derrick Henry. Is it sustainable? And he says, well, we can't pass it 50 times. Who the fuck are we going to throw it to? <laughs> Which, by the way, no media member has asked him about that comment. <laughs> Secondly, is that after the game, the NWI comment about I didn't hear anybody complaining at the beginning of the season when we were out there making plays talking about the wide receivers. Well, I guess that he is is in a cabin somewhere in Gatlinburg away from the internet, TV, and radio, which if he is, good for him. <laughs> but if you're by chance listening, Nick Westbrook, it's all anybody's talked about. You guys have been losers all, all season long and have been disappointing all season long. They make graphics up about you, about that other wide receiver. There are nine wide receivers in the league that have more yards than you you all do as a group. One wide nine individual wide receivers. Not only that, he hasn't had a catch in four games. So spare me, Nick Westbrook Akine, that nobody's been talking about this because it's all we have been talking about. And now let's talk about the rest of the offense. Well, I I, I do think one quick comment on that. Yeah. I do think that like maybe it's not top of mind when I think about analyzing the team right away 
even though last night they didn't have a single catch, right? No, not a single catch on Mon on Sunday night in the game. And they were targeted a bunch of times, obviously, a couple of plays where they maybe should have made them. And I spent my I spent a lot of the game going, God, I wish Traylon Burks would have been there. I think, oh, they could have used Traylon Burks. Oh, Traylon Burks would have made that play. I spent a lot of time saying that. And it looks like the window could open. He could be back against Denver, probably more likely the following week, uh, maybe the short week, maybe after the mini buy after Green Bay. I don't know. But what what I find myself thinking about is trying to figure out like what is like who's to be blamed. Like at this point, the receiving core. What's the old phrase? You get promoted beyond the point of competency. Yeah. Like the receiver, the receivers on this team have been promoted beyond the point of competency. It's not their fault that they're not number ones or twos. They're all a bunch of threes and fours. They lost their number one receiver to injury. I don't know if you want to put Phillips as the number two or three. Or I don't know. I put him you, in number three. Number three. So like I, Robert Woods is. He has some. I, I would put it on Robert Woods to say, look, you need to if you're going to be this longtime veteran who's had all these big moments in his career, you probably need to step into a bigger role and make some more plays. So I, I might be critical of Woods, but at the end of the day, like I, I'm not going to blame Chris Conley. While that was a, a catch he could have made down the sideline, this is a guy who's been on the team for less than a week, who you know, with a backup quarterback, with no offensive line against the best one of the best teams in the NFL, the receivers were terrible. But it's not really their fault uh, it's, it's, it's their it's their fault in a sense that they don't look like they're prepared ever to actually have a defender on them now i will say this is john robinson's fault that they exist in the <laughs> in the nfl world <laughs> right, right it is definitely john robinson's fault they exist secondly it's todd downing's fault for not changing up his scheme to try to scheme wide receivers open instead of thinking that he has two or three aj browns out there it, it's it's maddening to me that th th this Todd Downing scheme, we've seen it now from 2021, 2022. It doesn't matter who is on the field. He's going to treat Cody Hollister like he's Tyreek Hill. Like that is what Todd Downing is going to do. And let me say something. All this talk about Co Cody uh, Hollister being a great blocker. He has fallen on his face. He has reached, he has reached the limit. He is done being talked about as a good blocker because for two weeks now, we've seen him be a horrendous blocker. I'm out on Cody Hollister. These wide receivers cannot get separation on their own. That's partly their fault because they're not very good. And you know what they had from adolescence to adulthood to get fucking good, and they're not. <laughs> now, it's John Robinson's fault that they're employed. Right, right. And 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 again, some unluckiness there with the Ryan Tannehill not playing and Traylon Burks not playing, Kyle Phillips not playing, and... And all this other stuff. Now, here, here's what I'll say. One of the only things I agree with Chris Collinsworth on the entire game, because all he does is like John Gruden, just like gush about how everyone is spectacular. One of the few things he said was how well this team has played scripted first 10 to 15 to 20 plays. And they did it again. Two long 70-yard touchdown runs or uh, uh, drives. One of them was a, a long Derrick Henry run. The other drive had a couple of nice explosive Derrick Henry runs. But I thought the Chig play right out of the gate, like they there was some interesting stuff that they do coming out in the first couple of drives. And Malik Willis looked significantly different. We'll get to him kind of in his own conversation. But they were creative. They were fun. They were making the plays. They were putting Willis in a position to be confident. They were throwing to different pieces and weapons. And they were making plays. And then Derrick Henry was able to run. And then the second half, it's the same exact story the entire season where you just come out and it's like, dude, I wrote it all down. They had eight possessions, including overtime. They didn't have a single drive more than five plays. They had one first down. One first down. You know how hard it is to run 28 plays and gain seven total yards? Seven total. Do you know how hard plays. that is to do? 
Tennessee, the Volunteers. Hey, listen, it's not really that hard for Todd Downing because he almost does it every freaking week because this is the worst second-half team in the NFL. And you know what's even worse? And I put it out there. The twenty, because I, I didn't really think this was going to be the case. I was, I was thinking, I was like, I need, I need something to compare this Todd Downing offense to because I know that Mike, on a football and other efforts, when we record this week, because he's already told me, he's not gonna he matter. doesn't think, he doesn't think that Todd Downing being fired changes anything. So I was like, okay, well, this, this is, cannot be right. So the, what I was going to go to was the twenty seventeen exotic Smash Mouth year, okay. and I was going to compare this offense to that offense and stats and stuff like that. All right. And I was like. You know what? They had a pretty good offensive line. I said, I'm going to check 2015 because there's no way that Ken Wisenhunt with Jason Michael as the offensive coordinator <laughs> in the first eight games is as bad as this offense. No way. Or they're, they're better than this offense. And they were better. They're better in points per game, yards per game. They are, they are extremely better than this team. And so, they so had guys like Andy Gallick starting. Joe Looney was starting. I mean, we're talking... Justin Hunter, Kendall Wright, these guys. Goyle Green Beckham. This is an offensive coordinator issue. I, I just yeah. don't know how else to put it and how else to sh- display it for everybody. But this is obviously an offensive coordinator issue. Jason Michael is getting more out of these freaking losers. A rookie Marcus Mariota, Zach Mettenberger for two games. If he's getting more out of them than what Todd Downey is getting out of the supremely better roster. Oh, yes then that is an offensive coordinator issue. We could bang the drum that these players are not good enough, and they are not good enough. I mean, the, the wide receivers, the average uh, yards of separation is 2.92. Cody Hollister last night, 0.57. Chris Conley, 0.88. Robert Woods, 0.92. <laughs> Austin Hooper, 2. Chico Conquid, 2.24. Yeah, explosive. Yeah, the, they're bad, but they're still better than those guys over in yeah. 2015. So, and and. Jason Michael and Ken Wisenhunt and that offensive line. Give me a break old with chance. this. That offensive coordinator does wouldn't make a difference if they turned it over to Tim Kelly. I'm out on it. Old chance Warmack. Uh, again, eight possessions, seven three and outs, including overtime. Eight possessions, seven three and outs. As as just a point of context, the offensive line's not helping Malik Willis. It's there's a, we all know all the context around why the offense has some limitations, but the coordinator is not exactly putting them in a good position. So do you want to get to Willis here and talk about some of the good from the first half? Obviously, Derrick Henry, fifth straight 100-yard game, a couple of tutties, his longest run of the season. You know, looked, there's looked a good. he looked good, but I heard from people that were at the game that he went into the medical tent a few times. Now, he came out, but he went into the medical tent a few times, and you know he popped up on the injury report with a foot injury, and he was su- he was suspiciously absent. You know these in these crucial drives down the stretch. That is something to monitor this week. I'm not yeah. I'm not breaking any news or anything. I'm just saying what someone else told me that was at the game. Just keep an eye on it. Just keep that's something to keep an eye on. Okay. Um, I thought I thought Malik Willis in the first half, and and Mike Vrabel said it on his press conference on Monday that there was absolutely like he said yes there was improvement from game one Houston last week to game two this week. I don't think anybody needs more than a pair of eyes. Uh, in the first half to understand that he was better. I thought, and uh, people were going bonkers on Twitter for the deep throw to Conley down the sideline, which was a beautiful throw. The back shoulder slot fade to Hooper that got him down to the goal line that ended up in a touchdown. Beautiful throw. I actually think the back shoulder fade is the easiest of those throws. The one that was like made me sit out of my chair 
was when he's rolling to his right, and it's like he takes a step back to plant and throws, and it goes like 10 yards further than I thought it was going to go to Austin Hooper for a big game down the right sideline. There were three or four throws where you just go, okay, I see it. The speed is off the charts. It's way faster than any defensive player thinks it is when he's out and when he hits the edge on those zone reads. He's He has never not had the talent. It has always been, and you've said this I don't know how many times, it is always about finding the read, being patient, and decision-making. That's still going to be his problem, but for now... It wasn't I saw enough, his problem last night, in I my saw, opinion. I agree. I saw enough in the first half to say this guy has a chance next year, whenever it is that it may be his time. He has a chance because the athletic ability is dripping. It always has been, uh, and I think you saw it in the first half, second half. You know, we'll get to that. I, I don't think the second half is as bad as everybody's wanting to paint it at. I think that there is issues with penalties that are out of his control. I think there was issues with play calling that were not in his control because they went away from the whole, the, everything that was working in the first half, yeah. they went away from it. <laughs> and so to me, it's like, it's really hard for me to put a lot of the blame on the Malik Willis thing. And I'm sure we'll disagree on the whole Jeff Swain screen pass fiasco oh, the gain of like four yeah on, well, gain like five on like a second and ten or something like well that. no it's the one that he got sacked on in oh, the overtime. oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Pete, i i disagree with most yeah. people on this because there's stuff that they're leaving out on this whole thing that i'm i'll be probably bringing up a football over there for us. we don't have to get into you're, it you're talking this. about willis the play calling versus willis scrambling around and making it look like he's not seeing the yeah the defense well it's it's the, the, the bad call it's specifically jeff swain leaving Late, way too late, even by offensive linemen who saw the play and quoted on the play in tweets, said he left way too late. And everybody's putting that blame that he should have still hit Jeff Swain. When you've been asking this man, this young rookie, to be decisive in an overtime game and he chooses to be decisive trying to make a play with his feet, well, every fucking wide receiver is down there blocking 20 yards down the field. No one, He has no outlet. And my biggest thing is that he should have thrown it away. Instead yeah, of taking yeah, a yeah, yeah. My thing is that hitting Jeff Swain when Ben Jones is down, when there's three offensive linemen, one defender down past the line of scrimmage, and by the time that he could have made the throw to Jeff Swain, Ben Jones isn't blocking anybody. This crew's yeah. calling an ineligible man downfield. Yeah. That play is not happening either way. And, and I think what's interesting is... I wasn't going to get into it. No, no, no. It's shit. okay. Get it off your chest, man. We're Explore the studio space here at the wonderful and amazing, beautiful pharmacy. Look, we got all kinds of great people back here hanging out, eating, drinking beers, eating burgers, bratwurst. You got this crowd here. So come check out the pharmacy on a not victory Monday. Um, I do find myself, though, like say, like every time we have some analysis, and we'll get to the defense on this too, I find myself just trying to stop and say, look, Malik Willis, there were some moments of brilliance. The athleticism is awesome. He made a few mistakes. He probably scrambled a little too much. Like there's some decision making questions. This is a second year or second game starting for a first year player who is not ready to play in the NFL yet. He was a third round pick for a reason, and the, and this is this is all stuff that's not. And supposed he had three to be or four drops, yes, as well, yes. Like to so me, like the, do you see what I'm saying? Like yeah. it's half full to me when I watch Malik Willis. I think it's three quarters full, uh, even better. Okay, even I, better. I I look at it and I think that that is exactly the kind of progress you want to see in two full starts, right? From last week to this week, that progress was out of this world. He never progressed that much even in the preseason when he was getting lots of reps I agree. against worse talent. And this is a this is a team that knew because Jeffrey Simmons is texting his little buddy, Chris Jones, that Malik Willis was playing this whole time. That's a little weird. Yeah. I don't don't understand this leak issue out of the locker room that they got. You got Mason Kinsey leaking stuff. Now you got Jeff Simmons. Maybe he's Mason Kinsey's on Jeff Simmons' phone. I don't know. <laughs> 
but this is getting ridiculous. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> that is amazing. To me, it's like, yeah, it wasn't great, right? Like, I know in the big scheme of things, we're not talking about like Malik Willis went out there and threw for 300 yards or right for 200 touchdowns. Yeah, he's 560. But everything that was involved in that 5 and 16 to get to those points and everything was a massive, massive leap in progression. And we're going to talk about the Georgia-Tennessee game yeah. where the defensive metrics look really good for the Tennessee Volunteers, but it's because Georgia was playing complementary football to slow the game down, keep Tennessee's offense off the field, and, and kind of speed, like, speed the clock up in the second half, which is exactly what the Titans were trying to do. They didn't do it very well in the second half. But that's what they were trying to do is play complementary football to a defense that was playing extraordinarily. So I, I think Willis, to me, there's a, there was one other factor in playing quarterback at the highest level that you just can't quantify. It's that it thing when the light comes on that you just feel it and you can do it. And there are a couple of throws against the Chiefs and a couple of runs where you're just like, that's a ball player right there. Yeah. And I think knowing that gives I – w- I would be excited about the future of the position – knowing that he could be the guy, it also means he might not be that, you know, he might not be a starter, but like, I think there's potential there. So. I, I, and I'm not saying again, I'm not saying he's Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes, but when you look at the growing pains that Josh Allen went through, when he was thrusted in as the number one quarterback as a rookie, he's got the play. Yep. They gave him the patience and he got the play and they continue to build around him and they continue to let Josh Allen be Josh Allen. And I've said from when I was looking at all these quarterbacks in the draft class, preparing for this draft class, I said, you got to let Malik be Malik. You can't go in here. I still don't think that this is a really great offense, offensive system for him to be in. I would like it something. If you're going to go, I think they, he's shown a little bit, uh, more than what he has, that if they, for whatever reason, crazy reason, they let Ryan Daniel walk, I think they can survive a year with Malik Wilson under center, but, but they have to change the offense yeah. system and the offensive scheme to fit Malik Willis, and they have to bring in about 300 new offensive players. <laughs> like <laughs> you got to, you got to change all this offense. That, that feels like it's more than you're allowed in the NFL per roster. But we'll just well, see. well you get you bring I, them in, then let them all fight, right. and then you get it down. <laughs> I think what's interesting is we wanted to see more design <laughs> runs. I want like some of the stuff they run with Willis. I'm like, why don't you do that with Tannehill? Yep. But we've been saying that forever. I want to see some more design runs for Willis, which worked. It works even better when Derrick Henry is working. Yeah. And Derrick Henry was working in the first half with the design runs. And the runs. Chiefs were paying attention, unlike the Texans, to Malik Willis' run ability. Yeah. And let me say something. You think that the throw to Austin Hooper is the best thing that he did last night? I like lost it when he put the ball in Derrick Henry's chest and sneaks it out and runs it for a big gain. <laughs> I mean, that was, that was sexy. <laughs> that was sexy. No, he, he like, again, like, and, and, and Vrabel, I think, joked. He's like, oh, we ran a bunch of them last week. You just They wanted to give it to Henry. And obviously, against the worst rushing defense in the NFL, Houston, maybe that more, made more sense. But Henry was up to 90-plus yards in the first half. It wasn't like Henry wasn't working. So more design runs in the second half to force them to think about the edge and the interior. Again, not sure why that wasn't a part of the game plan in the second half. I think we've beaten the uh, offensive coordinator second-half conversation to yeah. death. Um, he's awful. He should be fired. There you have it. I mean, you just got you just got to do it. <laughs> Let's go to the defense then, because again, I'm watching, getting ready for. I'm putting the kids in bed and I'm getting ready for the game, and I'm like watching the for some godforsaken reason. I'm watching the end of the Rams, Bucks, and once again, I find myself just going like NFL offenses suck ass this year. It's not fun to watch. This Titans team can play with anybody. Like they, 
after watching the Titans game and seeing what they did to Mahomes for three and a half quarters, where you hold them to nine points going into the fourth quarter, and your your defensive line, and this is again a defense without Malik Hooker and without Elijah Molden. For Lonnie them to, Hooker, now Malik Hooker. So, they're, they're always without Malik, Malik Hooker. Hooker. <laughs> they're always without Malik Hooker, but this this game they were out without Amani Hooker as well. Malik Willis, Amani Hooker, you know what I'm talking about. Um, and so without two of your best defensive backs, two of your starting five at least, against Patrick Mahomes, that you are still as good as they were, as sound as they were, 68 pass attempts from Mahomes, 91 plays, and it still took two spectacular third down runs by Patrick Mahomes doing crazy Hall of Fame shit to win that game. And that, to me, is the moral victory side of this, where I watch the NFL every Sunday and I go, this is why can't the Titans win these games? They went into Arrowhead with a backup quarterback, no starting receivers and no offensive line, and, and almost won the game because their defense is that good. That defense is going to give them a chance to win every single time they play. Here, here's the thing about this defense. What more can we say? I mean, like, it's we're saying this every week that the offense is the issue and that the defense, I mean, you're talking about they forced uh, eight or nine punts, which is probably the most punts Kansas City has ever punted in a very, very long time. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, I mean, it's like ridiculous what they were doing last night. It was historic. It was groundbreaking. I mean, it's epic, elite, whatever word <laughs> you want to use to describe that defense. Yeah. It was awesome. This is why you should invest all your money and all your resources into offense and heading into the 2023 season is because obviously you need to pay Simmons. Yeah, that's true. Josh Kalou, five of six for 22 yards. He allowed on Travis Kelsey, one catch for 10 yards. Josh had freaking Kalou had a bunch of good tackles. Josh nice freaking Kalou. Yeah. Okay. So keep that name in your head. <laughs> Because this is what the Titans do. They don't need to be spending big on defense because their scheme and their defensive line, which, by the way, when Bud Dupree went out, is Mario Edwards. Mario Edwards. He was all over the field. pressures. Yeah. They had 37 pressures total last night. They had eight by Danico Autry, and they had eight. Your boy, another oh. awesome game. Yeah, Just and awesome. they had eight by Mario Edwards. They had, I think it was four. By um, it was four by Demarcus Walker. Five hurries from Rashad Weaver. Tart. Five hurries from Jeffrey Simmons. They had two hurries from Tier Tart. Thirty-seven total pressures with those guys. The only named guys: Bud Dupree and Jeffrey Simmons. Right? I mean, the rest yep. of these guys are yep. just rotational guys. Stop spending money on defense. I, I love Bud Dupree. And I think he's great. How about this? Can you spend less money on defense? Can it be spend all your money on defense on the defensive line <clears throat> and just let Robinson and Vrabel do work in the back seven? Yeah, that's fine. Is that okay? I'm okay with that. Like, David, David Long's a, what, a fifth-round pick? Yeah. Developed Kevin Byer, a third-round pick. Amani Hooker, third-round pick. Do they, Vrabel, pick. Can, Vrabel can develop defensive players better than anybody in the yeah. NFL. Vrabel, the combo of Vrabel and Bowen is yeah. awesome. Stop spending money there. Okay, start spending your money on offense because that's where your trouble. That's your problem child. That is the that is your problem child, no doubt. That is the guy <laughs> that you got to fix because <coughs> I'm tired of coming in here and talking about how great this defense is, and this defense is fantastic. It's pretty damn good. elite. This is a defense, a championship caliber defense, even more so than it was last year. This is a better defense than last year. The problem is your offense, and that is why it does not matter how elite 
this defense is. Your offense, your offensive line, your offensive coordinator, and your wide receivers are why the Titans' ceiling is so low and why I still do not believe in this team if it gets into playoffs. All right, let me. That's what I wanted to go here to wrap up the conversation because I still I came away from that game. I come away from that game thinking the defense is good enough to play in any situation against any team. Maybe there's a Kansas City, Vrabel, Reed, Mahomes combo matchup styles make fights that benefits them that Buffalo is different for the Titans. Maybe that's just a thing that that Buffalo's just got some pieces that Kansas City doesn't or style or the running attack, you know, whatever. Because, again, Kansas City just stopped rushing the football because of how good the Titans defensive line was. I, I came away actually feeling like, again, maybe this is half full, whatever. With a healthy Ryan Tannehill, with a healthy Burks, Phillips, Woods, with a Chig that's Conquo that's developed and gotten more reps, which he's getting, and more trust from the coaching staff, a healthy Derrick Henry, and that defense, I don't know why that game last night wouldn't give you enough confidence to go into Kansas City and win a playoff game. I, I just think the playoffs are just different. You can't rely on Ryan Tannehill. You can't rely on these pass catchers because you know what? That's all we said last year, right? I mean, we said all last season, well, they're getting A.J. Brown back. They're getting Julio back healthy for the playoffs. <laughs> We're And they're going to have Derrick Henry back. This team is going to make a run with this defense. We've said all this before. And, they got and nine now sacks. it's worse. And they got nine sacks. <laughs> and now it's worse. I'm, I am sorry. Uh. Again, much like just putting all your blind faith that John Robinson is going to get a deal with Jeffrey Simmons just because Jeffrey Simmons says he wanted to be a Titan, you're doing the same thing here. And I, and I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but we've said all this before, and yeah. this is a worse offense than that offense. I agree, but the NFL's weird. and I don't think it's that weird. Like Here's what's funny, though. The, the time they go to the AFC Championship game, best offense in franchise history and an atrocious defense. You're, you're hoping... So, like, what's... How does it? I guess my point is, you don't know what's going to work in a playoff matchup. You just don't. Well, I, we know that Tannehill's defense, not going to work, and that's the problem. I guess. I, I and listen, I don't. I can't believe I'm the one defending Tannehill. Yeah, I can't either. This is crazy. We, we have flip flop. <laughs> but like to talk me, talk about Bizarro. This is watching bizarre. watching that defense last night. Do what they did without Hooker and Molden, and to do it to that particular team in that setting gave me confidence that that team will be in any playoff game. Then it falls to Tannehill to not make a mistake or the offensive line to play better or for the receivers to be healthy. A lot of ifs. I get all of that. But it does tell me that, you know what? If they win the division, and for some reason, Buffalo doesn't, again, like I said, I don't feel that way about Buffalo. But for some reason, if it's Kansas City that they face, uh, Cincinnati, I know they beat them last year. That doesn't scare, like, I. there's not a teammate. I mean, Baltimore, they've beaten Baltimore when Baltimore was great. Baltimore's beaten Tennessee when Tennessee was great. So, like, I just don't think you can say definitively if they have to go to Buffalo in the second round of the playoffs, that's the one where I'd be like, no chance. Yeah. But other than that, I don't see a team that that defense can't do that to in a playoff situation, which to me gives them a chance, if that if that makes sense. I mean, it does, but the problem is that everybody's offense is just so much better than yours. Well, that, and, and and really, that you have to have a little bit of both. You, you If you lean heavy one way, listen, if the Titans had the 25th best offense in the second half, they'd be seven and one. They're the last place offense, and that's not going to get better. I, 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 I've harped on it that maybe that the reason why they didn't trade for wide receivers is because this particular staff and this coach and the, the thinks that basically getting Kyle Phillips back, getting uh, Traylon Burks back, maybe getting Race McMath back makes them a better team. 
I don't think it makes them that that quite different. There, there's also no. I mean, I could. You could make the argument that you, you signed OBJ. You got me convinced. Okay, that, and that's fair. Like I think that the key here is you can make the argument that that makes them better. There is no solution for the offensive line. Yeah, there, there's no solution. The there, only solution the is problem. putting in Dylan Raidens and maybe calling different kind of plays that help your offensive yeah, line. Yeah. Maybe quicker throws that get the ball yeah. out of the hand of your quarterback really fast. I don't know. Just, just a thought. Just a thought. Uh, all right. I'll, I'll listen. I'm not a fan of the team. I enjoy. I, I I'm a Nashvilleian. I, I, I think see this succeed. is a defensive I, caliber or championship caliber defense. Yes, I agree. Yeah, everything that. else is not. No, I and I, that matters. I agree with all of that. Uh, although the world did find out about Ryan Stonehouse last night. Apparently, that is true. <laughs> a lot of raving about the punter. Man, his accuracy was spot on. There was one bad one, but otherwise he was really, really good. So uh, the, the world found out about rookie punter Ryan Stonehouse. So there's that. Uh, all right, make sure we're here at Weiss, or we're here at Pharmacy, of course. Look at these beautiful brats and tots and burgers. You got pickles and onion rings and Dijon mustards, fancy Dijon mustards and fancy barbecue sauces and the Black Abbey Schwartz beer. If you want to come by on a Victory Monday or a Moral Victory Monday, come on by out. It's a beautiful place, at least for now. The weather is gorgeous. So make sure you come on out with the family for lunch. You want to bring the business. You can bring your dogs. Bring your dogs. You need a business meeting. You want a business meeting? Great place to come. Show some folks from out of town a nice locally owned business that's not anywhere else. Come here to the pharmacy. Make sure you check that out. Kingston Group, of course, our great local sponsor as well as Weiss Liquors. BuildKG.com for Kingston Group, uh, Nashville's locally owned custom home and remodeling firm. Just give them a call. Talk to them before you make a big decision. I promise. They, we, my family uses them. We built the. We, we did a whole thing in our backyard with them, with the car and the garage and the shed and everything, and they did it for us. And it's the best decision we ever made. So make sure you check out. Kingston Group, BuildKG.com, and Weiss Liquors. We had a big party on Saturday, which we're about to get to because we talked. Uh, we're going to talk about Tennessee. We had to go get some booze. Where do you think we went? We went to Weiss, Weiss Liquors. Liquors. Uh, picked up a bunch of great stuff. Had some fancy like orange, carrot, mango margaritas or something. Mm. One, one, of the, one of the wives is a big mixologist, so she came and made some really great drinks. Got it all from Weiss Liquors. Got every ingredient she needed from Weiss Liquors. And if you search Uber Eats, Weiss Liquors, they'll deliver the booze to your house as quickly. It's 20 minutes, Zach. Well, they drive, so you could drink. All right. Tennessee Volunteers. They're just not as good as Georgia boys, okay? They're not, Zach. They, Zach they Lyons. They're not. Zach, Zach Lyons, guy they who They were Tennessee. disappointing. They <laughs> were disappointing. At least they beat Alabama, I guess. That, that, well, which is, I think you, technically, I would say you won your prediction. Yeah. Which is they beat one of the two big boys. But Georgia is the new Alabama for at least now, and they're just better, man. The defense, Heinen Hooker had time to throw. The receivers could not get open because the secondary was exquisite for Georgia. Uh, Georgia took the foot off the pedal in the second half, but I think the Tennessee defense, which is not that great, played as well as they could have played. The key was Hendon Hooker missed a few open passes down the field, and this is this is not more complicated to me in my head. Tennessee is a really, really good football team. They might be top four in America. They might be a playoff team. In fact, I would put them there right now. Georgia is the best team in America. They are going to repeat as national champions because they have six years of established championship growth and maturity and development. And that is what Tennessee is going to build towards over the next few years. That gap was on display in Athens on Saturday, in my opinion. Yeah, it, it totally was. You, you talked about the, you know, the experience aspect of it on Thursday's show. And I thought, I thought that you were totally correct. What was really weird was that Tennessee apparently, according to fans, were th was the only team to play in the rain. Apparently, it rained when Tennessee <laughs> had the ball, and then it didn't rain when Tennessee when Georgia had the ball. I can't it was wild. I, like, uh, so I can't believe Mother Nature did that. I don't like using names because I, I just it's not my style. Um, 
when I see just godforsaken shit posts. Uh, but 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 Knoxville media members who are a part of the blogosphere that are saying, man, it would have been nice to know what this game would have looked like without the rain. Uh, like I'm, did you watch the game? Yeah, you saw it. Did you, you watch? You saw the them game? start blowing you out. The rain affected them just as much as it did Tennessee. I, I mean, give Hendon, me a break. Hendon Hooker missed two wide open deep shots. No rain in either one of those two situations. Uh, and I'm not talking about the throw of the tight end down the side that I'm talking about in the first half where the guy's wide open and you just miss him. Uh, Jalen Hyatt technically was wide open. Uh, listen, Tennessee's really, really good. Their resume is spectacular. I think what's going to be fascinating to watch is if they finish 11-1, and comparing their resume to a lot of other teams around the country, they're still going to have better wins. They're still going to have a better loss than everybody else. They're still going to, I mean, their road win at LSU by four touchdowns. Yeah is going to carry them a long way in terms of the committee rankings on Tuesday night. This is still a very good team. There's nothing to be ashamed of. Folks, it's, it's folks, a, you Georgia, can see a Georgia. rematch. Yeah, you can see a rematch of Georgia, Tennessee in the national championship game. I could totally see it. A one four. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause, cause here's the thing with the loss, and we can, I guess we can package this with the LSU win over Alabama, which by the way, if you listen to the show last week, I think somebody, some people, some folks, many people were saying, LSU on the money line, LSU outright. And the things that Alabama's had problems with, the it's all the same Ugh. stuff that LSU it's, it's capitalized the, on. It's the most frustrating thing to watch. I believe it. And Jaden Daniels is very frustrating to watch as an opposing fan because you can't believe what he's doing. And yeah. all of a sudden he's doing it and you're going, what? how the hell did that happen? The, the, I don't think LSU can get into the playoff. Bama's now eliminated. So Tennessee is still sitting there, depending on where the rankings are on Tuesday night, like there's a really good chance that a lot of losing is going to happen around the country and Tennessee slides into that four slot at the end of the season. And Georgia might be the one seed, probably will be the one seed if they go 13 and 0. I, it, the, the other thing, and I know I'm kind of rambling here. Sorry. Yeah, that's it. We got, we got time. <laughs> we got time for you to ramble. One of the things, so like the SEC is the best conference in America because they win all the championships. Go figure. They put all the, they have all the most NFL players. They put the most people into the league. They lead the league. They lead the college football in, in attendance. There, more people care about it. They're, these are all like just facts. But there's another thing that no other conference can do. It cannot capture your regular season Saturday attention like Saturday. It no other conference can put two top ten matchups on your television set back to back like that and say, look how look the whole country has to watch. No other league can do that. That that Saturday is what makes SEC, well, it's because, the, SEC the best. It's conference. because there's no other league that has the depth that this this one does. And and spare me this TCU because I saw you get into these arguments about TCU oh Alabama, TCU Tennessee, all this stuff. Spare me. You gonna take TCU to beat Alabama straight up right now? No. Okay. Yeah, because that's what I'm saying. Al, Al, this is the worst Nick Saban team in my opinion. Not in terms of wins and losses, obviously, even though it could get there. In terms of talent to expectations to the discipline problem that they have during the game, yeah, okay, bad. bad. It's 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 just a it's just a weird Saban team. This worst Saban era football team is still better than most conferences' best team, and I don't know why that is hard. You could be both to understand, right? Like. <laughs> This drives me insane, and we'll talk about it a little bit more on Thursday once the rankings actually do come out and we can see where everybody's ranked. But if TCU, because Alabama's schedule right now, they played at number five, according to the current rankings, AP. They played at number five and lost by a field goal on the last play of the game after they missed a field goal to win the game. They lost to number seven on a two-point conversion in overtime. If, if a freshman tight end drops that pass, 
Alabama has a win, and they and they beat Texas on the road, who's number eighteen. TCU has not played a current top twenty team. So you're telling me TCU's record would be the same if they played at Tennessee, at LSU, at Arkansas, at Texas? Texas is a seven point favorite right now this week over TCU. Yeah, this, I like TCU. It's a great story. I'm not trying to be like anti TCU. You know but what? Like, it's just use you, your brain. Yeah, you're always wanting. I think college football people are always wanting the 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 underdog, the plucky story, and all that kind of stuff because they're tired of Alabama, they're tired of Georgia, they're yes. tired of Ohio State. Hey, I get you. I, I'm I'm right there with it. UT is that story. TCU is not that story. No, no. I, I agree. I mean, I agree with that. I agree with that. Now, here's here, so it's funny. There's and I, I think a lot of political media people think that all of the, the media is like super raging left wing when in fact, most social media platforms actually promote all far right content way more than they promote any left content. I think that's what happens in college football. There are these two overwhelming narratives that like to be portrayed across the country about the sec and one about Bama and one about the sec. And one of the, one about Bama is, Oh, they just get the benefit of the doubt because of the history and because of their uniform. And I'm like, or, or, <laughs> or you hate Alabama so much. You're tired of Alabama so much. You have such Alabama fatigue, which I understand and is okay, that you are incapable of, of accurately evaluating Alabama football. I, that's my, it's actually the opposite, in my opinion. The story is, oh, Alabama gets the benefit of the doubt. And I'm like, no, they lost to Tennessee on a last second field goal. Clemson lost. They were down 35 to nothing to an unranked team. That's different. Yeah. That, that context matters when the committee makes decisions. And we can talk about the game itself and the X's and O's. Like all the same issues for Bama were the same issues for Bama. Georgia's defense was awesome. Like and, we can talk about the X's and O's, and, but like at the end of the day, LSU's the better defense and they they dominated, I feel like. And listen, Bryce Young's still awesome. Bryce Young's <laughs> awesome, but him and his wide receivers are not on the same page. This offensive scheme, it Take Bill O'Brien, take Todd down, and you shoot them both in the sun at this point. Like, but why can't my either of my teams have an off good offensive coordinator in the last well, two years? They, they, well, to, to be fair, Alabama's had a run of like geniuses. Yeah, right? but I need, I need Lane Kiffin, Steve Sarkeesian. Should Sarkeesian. never stop for Alabama. <laughs> but either way, like, I'm, I'm just Steve Sarkeesian's like a genius. He's just a Texas now. I I have no Bill offensive. I have no uh, reprieve. No time to relax and enjoy offensive football <laughs> on Saturday and Sunday. So Saturday night. Zach's up late at night, bitching about his coordinator. Sunday night, Zach's up late at night, <laughs> bitching about his offensive coordinator. Just, just no reprieve. So here's the thing. Alabama's out, so everybody who's got Bama fatigue, celebrate. Yeah. So it's fine. Celebrate. If you don't like Bama, great. Not our year. You know what? Fine. LSU-Georgia could be a great game in the SEC championship game. What matters now is Georgia, if you beat Mississippi State and you beat Kentucky and you beat Georgia Tech, you're 12-0, and you're in. You're probably going to win the SEC title. Tennessee, handle your business. Finish eleven and one, and then just sit back and root for chaos. Yeah, because if chaos happens, which I think is going to happen, I bet you TCU loses a game. Clemson's already out, in my opinion. The Pac-12. There's no way Clemson should be in this no, playoffs because they're going to get boat straight boat race by any team. I agree. The, the, you cannot be down thirty-five to nothing to a, an unranked team and be considered a playoff team. Now, Oregon is interesting. So is USC. It is very interesting. Those two are both very interesting because they have lots of top ten matchups coming up on their schedule. And but the key is who survives out of the big four in the Pac-12: Utah, UCLA, Oregon, and USC. If one team gets through all of that with one loss, then maybe they could get in over Tennessee because the arbitrary geographic championship is somehow going to matter. I don't know. To me, right now, it's very clear. 
Ohio State, Michigan, Georgia, and Tennessee are the four best teams in America. That's it. Yep. They are the four best teams in the country. I think it's pretty clear. There's a pretty large margin, and, I, and I'm willing to bet you that those four end up in the playoff. And if those four end up in the playoff, just the Big Ten and the SEC, we're going to have a 12-team playoff as fast as humanly possible yeah. if that takes no place because the rest of the country will be very pissed off about that. So. All right. Well, take us home. I agree. <sighs> All right. Uh, Stoney says late to the party here, but Braden's hat rules. Thank you, Stoney. I do appreciate that. Thanks for watching the entire show. Uh, all right. I will take a moral victory away from the Titans and think, you know what? They could beat anybody, anytime, anywhere, as long as it's not in Buffalo, uh, in the playoffs. So I, I think there's some positives to be taken from all of that. Buffalo's 0 2 in their own division, by the way. There you go. Uh, bad, bad Jets. What the, the hell with the Jets? Uh, the I, Jets have the eighth best pass defense and the eighth best rush def or run defense. And they are shows. physical. They it are shows. physical. Yeah, they like to hit you and hit you hard. And Zach keep Wilson sucks, but they they are they are a <laughs> kinda great like, defense. Kind of like the Titans. Yeah, <laughs> actually, uh, with more weaponry. Actually, on, on the outside, um, I, I although they have an injured running back. <laughs> hey, Michael Carter, James Robinson, they're still good. Um, uh, Tennessee fans, I think you can still you know you're still house money, man. Yeah, I, I think georgia just showed you that it takes time to build a championship caliber program and that's okay that's the, what's supposed to happen in college football bama I, no disrespect i just don't care yeah i don't count out you got I'm all out. the championships i out. I, I can't check out this season. and brian kelly professional head football coach worth a lot of money so uh other than that kentucky won south carolina got bowl eligible a&m lost again <laughs> love it <laughs> by the way uh, did we talk about this last week auburn has paid 37 million dollars yeah, oh yeah. To get rid of two coaches, that's half of what you'd have to pay to fire Jimbo Fisher. It's crazy. <laughs> Otherwise, pharmacy. Look at this beautiful place. Look at this place. It's gorgeous. They got good music, sunshine, good food, good beer. Um, non non victory Monday. Come on out every day of the week. It's a great place to come hang out. Kingston Group, Nashville's locally owned custom home and remodeling firm. Buildkg.com. Weiss Liquors, Uber Eats, Search Weiss Liquors. Have the booze delivered right to your house in as quickly as twenty minutes. Those are all locally owned businesses, Zach. So support your locally owned businesses, 440 Sports, Broadway Sports Media, Football and Other Efforts Podcast. What did I forget? You got everything. I mean, follow us on Twitter at EffortsPod, at Braden Gall. Then you also have at 440 Sports. Then you also have at BroadwayTN. And then you have BroadwaySportsMedia.com. Go get an insider pass today so you can watch like the Mike Herndon show. There you you can see all the videos on YouTube. All the podcasts are in video form. And then not only that, you need to go to the YouTube page, 440 Sports, for Broadway Sports, yeah. and the fa their yeah. Facebook pages. And follow and turn on notifications because YouTube and Facebook are where you can interact with us. And to all of you who are in our fantasy league, I apologize to all of you. All of you listeners who joined up, to you, to the pharmacy who's a part of this league, I apologize for my performance. It's unacceptable. Um, I don't even know why I'm ranked in that. It's league. very Cody Hollister of me. Uh, I apologize. All right. Are you tots or are you sweet potato fries? Tots. You're tots? Yes. Okay. Are we... Bacon burger with onion rings, or are we the crab bratwurst with crab? Give me the crab. All right, so we're gonna switch some plates here. We're gonna have a good time. We're gonna drink some Black Abbey Swartz beer here at the pharmacy. A great place to hang out during the week. Come bring the family. Have no, some I'm winning uh, 142. You have the most points. 99. You have the most points of anybody in the league, and just, you're in third just, place. It's not like I look. And y'all laughed at y'all laughed at me when I drafted two quarterbacks. I would never, I would never laugh at you, Zach. For Zach, I'm Braden. Everybody, thanks for hanging out. Again, Weiss Liquors, Pharmacy, Kingston Group. Make sure you check them all out. Support local business. Turn on all the notifications. We appreciate you guys hanging out with us. We'll be back on Thursday, 1 p.m., live everywhere. He's Zach. I'm Braden. Thanks for listening and hanging out with us. This has been a football show.